you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll turn back to the Gospel of Mark again tonight. Mark chapter 5, we'll be reading from here in just a moment. Mark chapter 5. Uh, this morning we spoke about a desperate man, and we looked at those uh, verses before these. I'm going to look at verses 25 through 34 tonight, Lord willing. And we looked at that desperate man. He was in a desperate situation. It was a desperate hour, and he needed desperate things done. And uh, praise God, the Lord helped him, and uh, his faith was in the right one. And I tell you what, if your faith is in anything else except the Lord Jesus, your faith is not in the right one. It's only through Christ our faith should lie. And so the story that uh, we're going to read here, no doubt, is a very uh, memorable one. Everybody's heard this, uh, no doubt, many times. I want to caution you not to let it just uh, let you think that, well, I've heard this and I'm ready to move on and, you know, this, uh, we'll get this done. I caution you not to do that tonight. Uh, anytime there's someone preaching God's Word, we should be attentive and, and look at things and ask the Lord to reveal to us what He would have us to know. Uh, I may say something wrong tonight. You need to make sure that I don't. But uh, in, what we need to do is understand that God has given us this. Some people say, well, you know, those old tired stories. You all get up there and preach about these same things over and over and over every year. And listen, friends, it is all fresh. It's all new. This word is so alive. And uh, we all need to get more of it. And so uh, tonight I, I do caution you not to uh, let the... Uh, the familiarity of it um, take over. But listen with fresh eyes tonight and ears. And so if you'll please stand for the reading of God's Word, Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 25. And here the Bible says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Our Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight. I'm asking now that you help us. Lord, keep me hidden. Let you be seen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, like I said, no doubt this is very familiar to everyone. You've heard it many times, probably taught in Sunday school and maybe uh, on Wednesday nights and, and preachers preach it. But this woman is very important for us uh, because she is a type. She represents something uh, that each of us should relate to. If you are saved tonight, you should relate to the way that she once was because you once was too. And if you are not saved, then you should relate to this because she is going to have her life miraculously changed here tonight. And so this woman had this issue of blood for 12 years. Now, remember this morning I told you to, that that number 12 was very important in Bible numerology. And, uh, it, of course, it means God's completeness. 
Uh, it shows his authority. And you know very well how many things that God put off in t- numbers of 12, the children of Israel, uh, the 12 sons, the, the, the 12 disciples, and so on. And this morning the little girl was 12 years old. And here this woman has had this issue of blood for 12 years. And so it's time. <laughs> it's time to complete this. It, it's, it's run its course, and now it is time to end this problem that she has. Now, it's interesting. The Bible calls her a certain woman. Uh, many times in the Bible, when the Lord performs miracles or speaks of someone, he gives their given name. This morning, he, we talked about Jairus, gave his name, uh, you know. But this woman here, her name is not given. It just says a certain woman. Now, this morning, we had certain people that came out uh, trying to be negative there to the man that his daughter was sick and she had she had died, and they come out all negative. The Bible said certain it came, and I told you how that upset me every time I see that. But here it says a certain woman. And there's a lot of people that make all these wild guesses. Well, this was so-and-so. And there's even some of these spurious books that's out there that's not part of the biblical canon, and, and people say, well, her name was this and her name was that. Well, uh, you can have that if you want it. I want nothing to do with that. What I want to have to do with is what God's Word says. And he says it's a certain woman. He doesn't give her name. And I fully believe there is a good reason for that. Because, as I said in the beginning, she is a type. She's a type of a lost sinner. She's a type of someone that I used to be. I told you this morning my testimony. I was only six years old when I got saved. So I had not done so many bad things as we you know, consider bad. But I was still a sinner bound for hell. And, you know, I, sometimes you get to thinking, well, since the Lord saved me at such a young age, you know, I don't have this powerful testimony like somebody else does. And I've heard people say that, you know, I wish I had a powerful testimony like this man. You know, he went through so much. And, then, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what I'm seeing? God saved me from a lot of bad things. I can't even imagine what would have happened to me if I had not got saved at six years old. There's no telling. I may not be here today. But... Everyone that gets saved, it is a wonderful thing from the Lord. And so, you, you know, you don't have to have one of these testimonies. Some of these people give more glory to the devil than they do the Lord sometimes. And I think we need to give God, God all the glory for everything that he's done. And so this certain woman, she represents a lost person, a lost sinner. And she is coming to faith in the one that can save her. There it says, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. Luke tells us she would not get better. That that was it. I mean, she just, there was no cure for this thing that she had outside of Jesus. And she had tried everything. No doubt she went to all the specialists. Uh, My mom knows about those specialists. I've taken her to many of those. And a lot of people in our family have had cancer throughout the years, and we've been to all those specialists, those cancer specialists, the blood specialists, you know, the hematologists, and all these other people, you know. And I'm assuming in that day they didn't have anything like we do now. In fact, I've read some of the cures that they had in that day, and some were were pretty far-fetched. Uh, carrying an ostrich egg around. That was one of them. <laughs> so she had been through all the quacks of that day, all right? You know, they practice medicine today. They call it practicing medicine because they're practicing the whole time on you. Uh, but uh, they were really practicing things back then. Uh, but here, this this lady has spent everything. She's broke. She's down to nothing. Everybody that she knows, every specialist, uh, she probably went to every witch doctor. She probably went to every 
body that she could ever imagine trying to get this thing cured. And she spent everything doing it. And she's not got better at all. In fact, Mark right here says she grew worse. This thing was getting worse. Twelve years, I mean, it's worse than it was on day one. And then day two, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so it says that she had an issue of blood. Down in verse 29, Mark calls it a plague. Uh, we know all about the plague, don't we? Uh, according to the Gospel of Matthew, she had a disease where she, she was, it was causing her to lose blood. Matthew 9 and 20 says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now, if you remember this morning uh, mentioning the importance of that number twelve, this twelve years we see as the Lord is working in this woman's life, if you recall today, uh, this morning before we started, we, we gave what happened previous to this. He'd been over on the other side in the Gadarenes, across the Sea of Galilee. Those people over there, after he healed the demoniac, those people forced him out of there. They didn't want anything to do with him. They asked him to leave, and he left. These people, when he shows up on the shore, are all standing there waiting. They're thronging him. Uh, I was reading more in-depth information about that word thronging and how they were pressing against him. And one one uh, commentator said that, uh, in his his sight on this, that he believed that they were pushing against him so much that it was difficult to breathe. They were so close together in there. But what a difference from the Gadarenes over to Capernaum in the way they were accepting of the Lord Jesus. Now, all those people were not placing their faith in him as Savior. A lot of them there were like a lot of people here when they're driving down the road and somebody has an accident and they're going like this. You know, that's called rubbernecking. And so every time Jesus would perform a miracle or do something wonderful, people would come out of the woodwork to see what was going on. So some of them were there to watch the show, but many of them there to get healed. He had been healing a lot of people. No doubt this lady has now heard of this Jesus of Nazareth who can heal people. Raise people from the dead. Uh, you know, restore sight to the blind eyes. Uh, restore people, be able to walk that were once lame. Uh, fix that withered hand as he did in the beginning of Mark there, that man in the synagogue. And no doubt this, the, the story of Jesus has spread and she knows that he can do something about it. Now this morning Jairus said that if Jesus would touch his daughter, she shall she shall be made whole. She shall live. This woman is the same way as Jairus. She has such deep faith that Jesus can heal her. She says, I shall be healed if I can touch that garment. It wasn't a question of whether or not she would be. She knew she would be if she could just get there. Now, uh, whatever her disease or plague was, she would went to all these doctors, spent every penny she had to cure it. Nobody's able to help her. And uh, despite everything, it gotten worse. And I think we can understand that her issue was very serious, not only because of the blood issue she was having and losing all the blood and, and what it did to her health, but also her personal life. As a Jewish person in that, in that culture, uh, she was put to shame. Uh, the thing that was happening to her was causing people to look at her as a sinner. The reason being, uh, you can turn there if you want to, over in the book of Leviticus, where the Levitical law is given concerning the issue of blood from a woman and the uncleanness and the, and the laws that all surround that, 
I'll read this to you quickly, but Leviticus 15 and 19 says, And if a woman have an issue, and her issues in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever touches her shall be unclean until the even. So first of all, you have that's the, the regular cycle of a woman, and he's saying if it, it goes these days, and if there's a, anybody that comes in contact, they'll be unclean. So we know that part. That's, that's natural. That's what's going to happen to all these women. But something else happens. Uh, look down, if you want to, in Leviticus 15 and 25. And if a woman have an issue of, of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lieth, all the days of her issue, shall be as her unto the bed of her separation. Whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean, as the uncleanness of her separation. And it goes on and on, talking about all the unclean things. But if you look on down to verse 30, and the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering. You see this? There is a uh, offering that these women must make when this happens because it is a, is a symbol of sin. And so that's why this priest makes a sin offering. That longer period of time that this, this blood issue is happening indicates sin. All these people know this. She's had to live her last 12 years of her life. We don't know how old she is, but she's had to live the last 12 years of her life being shunned by society, not being able to go around anyone. She can't go into the synagogue. She can't go and worship with other people. She can't make contact with any man. She can't do any of these things for 12 years. This is tough. This is very tough. Now, she goes beyond what's considered normal. And so no doubt she's looked on as this sinner because of this blood disease. And verse 27 it says, when she had heard, we're back in Mark 5 and 27, when she had heard of Jesus, <laughs> aren't you glad of that right there? When she had heard of Jesus, how many people today would be lost and going to hell if they had not heard of Jesus? Amen. Listen, I'd heard of Jesus. I told you this morning, I'd heard of him all my life, but I didn't really know him until he came and found me. And I, I am so glad today that I heard of Jesus. I heard from Jesus. It says, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, what does it say? I shall be whole. She didn't say, I might be whole, or perhaps I'll be whole, or if I get by with this, maybe it'll work out. <laughs> no, she said, without a doubt, I shall be made whole. She had that kind of faith. How many of us today can say we have that kind of faith? Listen, our faith sometimes becomes very weak. A lot of times I feel like old Peter steps out of the boat. Boy, he's just going at it and doing so good. And next thing you know, he's looking, he's looking around at those waves and everything and starts sinking. What does the Lord say? Oh, why did you doubt? Ye of little faith. I am glad, though, of that little faith. I am glad of it because just a little bit is all you need. It's all you need. Now, I want to point something out to you here that you might have overlooked if you aren't careful. Simply hearing of Jesus was all that it took for this lady to place her faith in him. She said when she heard of Jesus. And after that, she said, if I could touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. This indicates that she believed in him simply by hearing about him.
Now, how does faith come? It comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. And the Hebrew writer in 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I didn't have to see Jesus die on the cross. I didn't have to be there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I didn't have to see him buried in the borrowed tomb. I didn't even have to see him raised from the dead. I didn't have to see the, the, the stone rolled away from the tomb. I didn't have to meet him after he came out of there and he walked around and made himself present to other people. I didn't have to see all that. Because by faith, I believe everything from the Word of God, what it says. So despite me not seeing it, the evidence is there of things not seen. The evidence is there. It's the thing that I have hope in. I placed all my hope in the blood of Jesus Christ. That is our faith. We have faith in Him. The faith that He can save us. The faith that He can keep us. The faith that He will redeem us one day when we reach heaven and He redeems us. Isn't that wonderful? To think about that. So it's the same way the woman believed. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Too many people today have never heard of Jesus. Do you know right here what we call the Bible Belt, the buckle of the Bible Belt, whatever you want to call it, we once were ranked the number one Bible-minded city. I think it's because we had so many Bible colleges. But uh, there are still people right here, in Knoxville, Tennessee, that's never heard of Jesus. That is shocking. I'll tell you something that I did one time. I'm embarrassed to say this, but when I was pastoring at one church and I was leading the singing as well, leading the choir, we were getting ready for a Christmas program. And there were several youth that were there, and I was giving out songs that we were going to sing. And one of them was Silent Night. And I said, well, y'all don't even need the, the book or nothing for that. Everybody knows Silent Night. And there was this one guy sitting on the back there looking at me so weird. And I said, what's up with you? He said, I've never heard that. I said, what? You've never heard of Silent Night? He said, I had never been to church until just recently. He said, I, my mom and dad never went to church. I, they never said anything about any of this. And I felt about this big. <laughs> To think that someone sitting in the church that I was actually in and had never even heard Silent Night. Can you imagine the people that are in our own communities that's never even heard about Jesus? And they're there. Oh, we used to go knock on doors. And we'd go knock on that door and we'd come up to people and we'd say things like, you know, uh, just wondering, you know, have you ever uh, trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And some people sit there and look at you like, like you're crazy. They don't even know what you're talking about. And, of course, there's those that say, oh, well, you know, my grandpa was a preacher. Oh, I got baptized back when I was so-and-so. Oh, I used to go to Sunday school. Oh, we used to go to church all the time. But they couldn't ever tell me about when they got saved. And so we would ask them, well, what do you base your salvation on? And they would tell you, because I grew up in a Christian home, because uh, my papa was a preacher. But they didn't really understand what it meant to actually be saved. Friends, the lost are here. They're here. As we pulled in, we see all these new places that's moved in down, down through here. 
Uh, I remember as a young boy, we came up here all the time. This is where you went. We didn't have the mall. We didn't have anything. So we went to Sears. That's where I got my Sears tough skins, you know. <laughs> they were huskies, by the way. And uh, I, I wore every knee out of them. Mom had to patch them all. But they had that uh, that uh, escalator in there, you know, and I'd ride up that escalator and hear that thing. Oh, and you walk in that door and they had all that candy, you know, right there. The double dip chocolate peanuts. Oh, my goodness. That guy used to be out in the parking lot making keys, and I used to sit there and watch him, you know. Oh, boy, we had a wonderful time. But as we drove through here, it has changed so much. There, There's a, a German beer house right there. There's another beer house right over there. I mean, they're moving in all, in all these people sitting around and, and they're drinking and they're, they're carousing and, and walking and doing all these things and they don't have even a thought of Jesus on their mind. Some of them's probably no doubt never heard of Jesus. I'm not blaming you guys. I'm blaming the church as a whole because churches today seem to be not trying very hard. It thrilled me to see those young kids come up and take up the offering for missions. I'm a strong mission supporter. Uh, our little church, we don't have hardly anybody in, and we support three missionaries right now. And I thank the Lord for allowing us to be able to do that. But uh, thank you for that. Thank you for supporting missions. I got off on a rabbit trail, didn't I? But listen, this, this lady, she heard of Jesus. And because of that, she has placed her faith in him. Because she said, I shall be whole. Now listen, salvation is simple. A lot of people want to complicate it. They want to overcomplicate it. Now I am a firm believer there's repentance in that. I believe that when you understand you're a sinner, that that is a repentance toward God. That, that you're, you're saying, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I'm place, placing my faith in the Lord Jesus to save me. And that is a type of repentance. I believe that you'll continue to repent throughout your whole Christian life, not to get saved, but to continuously just to say, Lord, I've done it again. And he knows that. But she, there's, there's many things in the Bible that talks about salvation, but it's really all simple. It's simply believing in the Lord Jesus, placing your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. I mean, that's, that's what salvation's all about. So Jesus says in John 10 and 9 that I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And so there's no doubt if Jesus saves you, you shall be saved. And the Bible says that is everlasting. That is eternal life. It is eternal. And he, it says in Acts 2 and 21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, simply just uttering the name Jesus doesn't save you. Uh, if you don't understand exactly why you're calling on the name, it does you no good. So the, the premise here is you're calling on his name because you believe in what he did. You believe in who he is. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He's the one that shed his blood to save you from your sins. So because of that, then we call on the name of the Lord. Jesus, save me. I believe in you. Acts 15, 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Romans 5 and 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5 and 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And finally, Romans 10 and 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Now, 
if we continue looking in Mark 5 and 29, it says, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Please take notice, this woman was immediately healed. Immediately. She's been made whole. When you get saved, you get saved immediately. I've talked to many people, and I've invited them to come to church and and, uh, try to witness to people, and they'll say things such as, well, you know, Brother Byron, one of these days I'm going to go, but i got to get some things fix first i you know i you don't understand how i live and what i do and the things i'm into and all that and i got and i always tell them it doesn't matter you need to come to the lord he'll take you just as you are it's up to him he does the changing inside of you and so don't think that you got to first go get yourself cleaned up before you can be saved doesn't work that way but she was saved, or she was cleansed immediately. There was no delay, no working up a time period, no anything like that. Verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, some people have a problem with this. They're, they're like, Yeah, I mean, why, why don't he know who touched her clothes? <laughs> he knew who touched her clothes. This was not a question of, who in the world did that? <laughs> no, it's a question of who's going to admit to who just touched me. You, maybe. <laughs> he knew exactly who touched him. He knows everything. He knows every heart. He knows every mind. He knows the recesses of your mind. And so uh, Jesus knows it all. Verse 31, it says, And his disciples said unto him, See, they're thinking the same way. His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? You know, sometimes these guys are so unspiritual. They really are. I mean, they do so good at some times, and then other times they're just like, just fell off a turnip truck or something. And so they're coming to Jesus, and they're saying, What in the world? Why are you asking that question? Look at all these people. We're packed in here like sardines, and there's just no way. I mean, how would anybody know? See, they didn't understand. But Jesus knew who it was. And he turns, and when he turned, he looked right at the woman who touched him. Verse 32, and he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. It didn't say he turned around to see who done this thing. He said her. So he knew exactly who it was. And that has always been the Bible method. You receive Christ as your Savior, and then... You confess it to the world. That's what the Bible says we'll do. Romans 10 and 10 through 11 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Jesus was given this lady the opportunity to stand up and say, Yes, it was me. I'm the one that had faith enough in you that you could heal the problem that I had, and you did. You healed me. I felt it. I know that it is no longer plaguing me. So he gave her this opportunity to do this. Now, there's some other reasons he possibly could have done it. For example, now that she's been healed, how's she going to prove it? Yeah? Uh, And so this is going to be a... Approving to all those people that's around there, this lady's been healed. She's no longer off limits. She's no longer unclean. She can come into the temple now with everybody else. She can come in your synagogue now. You don't have to worry about avoiding her. And so that could be another reason. But I believe that if you get saved, that you will not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. 
sometimes I've heard people say, well, I, you know, I'm like a secret Christian. Really? <laughs> a secret Christian. Okay, I don't know how that works out for you, but I believe that if you love the Lord, you'll be excited about it, and you will be glad to share Him with other people. I don't understand someone wanting not to share Jesus. And so, listen, I don't know what's going to happen in this country in the future. Everything is unknown. We don't know from day to day what's going to happen next. There could be a day when we may have to profess Christ and it not be very easy. There may be a day when someone comes to you, puts a gun in your mouth, and says, so you believe in Jesus, huh? That's where the rubber hits the road. That right there is what's going to be the telling thing. And you may think, well, that could never happen here. How many thought all these other crazy things that's happened would ever happen here? Our forefathers are rolling in their graves right now over everything that's happened in this country. If my papa could see some of the things that's went on in this country, we've allowed to get voted in in this country, he'd be sick as a dog. He wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't have believed it. 20, 30 years ago, the things that's happened today, I would have said, there is no way. So we don't know that one day we might have to face persecution for believing in the Lord Jesus. Right now, we have the freedom to come into this beautiful church and gather together and worship. And a lot of people have forgotten that. We were talking, just driving in, my mother and I, how wonderful it is that we can live stream our services nowadays. And I do it. Everybody does it. And, you know, we get people that watch it. And I'm glad that they're able to. But I've also seen a negative side of it. There's a lot of people now that rely upon that only that are healthy and able to come into the house of God and are no longer doing it. And they're not planning on doing it again. So they've forsaken the assembly of themselves together. And uh, it is one of the things. But we don't know that one day we may be in persecution in this country. It's going on all over the world. Do you know what the dangerous place in the whole world is for a Christian? North Korea. For the last 20 years, it's been number one on the list of the most dangerous place. They're atheists there. It's against the law to be a Christian. If you're found out you're a Christian or believe in Jesus, they will burn you alive. They will uh, export you to a concentration camp. They will torture you. They will torture your family, kill your family. They'll burn everything that you have down to the ground. That's what life is as a Christian in North Korea under Kim Jong-un. There's other countries that are Islamic countries where the same thing. It's illegal to be a Christian in these Islamic countries. You've got all kinds of them, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Sudan, Yemen, Iran. All these are Islamic nations. They hate you. They hate Christians. And so Christians over there are in danger. Every day, our brothers and sisters in Christ are getting killed because of their beliefs. And we throw a fit when somebody makes fun of us for trying to hand them a gospel track. I was persecuted today. I tried to give somebody a track and they laughed at me and knocked it out of my hand. You poor thing. When somebody tells you to kneel down and put your neck out and ask you to... Tell them that you don't believe in Jesus and you'll accept Islam or whatever. 
That's where we're going to see the truth then. That's persecution. And they're going to pass laws against us here. They're already doing it. And then we're going to have problems like that. But let me get back to the verse and we'll be finished. Verse 33, Mark 5 and 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. So she confesses to him, yes, it was me. I did that. I came and touched you. I touched your garment and I, you know, I was made whole. I, she told him the truth. But she was fearing and trembling. Do you know the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is fear of the Lord? That's what our Bible says. I saw a bumper sticker, or I didn't see it. One of my friends saw a bumper sticker that said, fear the Lord. And he came and he told me, he said, you know, I saw a bumper sticker up in Pigeon Forge on the back of a car and it said, fear the Lord. And it made me so angry because I don't, I'm not afraid of God. I don't fear the Lord. I said, well, I don't know what Lord that you're worshiping, but the one that I worship says to fear the Lord. <laughs> so this beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Listen, there is fear of the Lord. And it's not that he's going to strike us down dead, even though he could if he wanted to. But it is our respect of our acknowledgement of who he is. He is the giver and sustainer of life. He's the savior of the world. He's the one that has... Reign over death, hell, and the grave. You better believe that we have fear in the Lord. This woman is fearing and trembling, and naturally she would have. She's an unclean woman. If she touched him, that makes him unclean. And so it does put fear in her. They could have grabbed her up and said, what in the world are you doing? You're breaking the law. Took her off and maybe stoned her or something. But the Lord looks at her, look at verse 34, and he said unto her, daughter daughter do you see that don't let that escape you daughter do you know if you're a son or a daughter of someone you belong to them he didn't say woman he said daughter this gives a a symbol of ownership you are my daughter you're my child daughter thy faith hath made thee whole Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She got two different healings that day. She got one with the issue of blood that she had, the plague that was plaguing her, but she got something else. She got a spiritual healing. This woman who once was lost and would have died and went to hell without Christ, she's been made whole. She now belongs to him because she is a daughter of his. Please don't miss that fact. She's been made whole. And notice what else he said. He said, go in peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He came to bring us peace. Peace with God, by the way, in case you didn't know. Our peace is peace with God because before you're saved, you're an enemy of God's. You're at an enmity with Him. You're at war with God. Once you get saved, you become what the Bible calls justified. It's justification. That means you can stand just before God, innocent, holy, pure, righteous. This woman has been made whole. When you got saved, you were made whole. You were spiritually cleansed. And Jesus brings us peace, peace with God. 